after 27, 8 years of ministry and teaching, I've learned not to take your pedal, not to take your foot off the pedal when God is saying something. That you just ride it all the way out until there's no more gas in the car. And so we're going to stay in this faith series and our goal, our desire is that your personal faith is increasing because faith is the key to releasing heaven on earth in your life and in our city and in our world. And someone who walks in faith, like few people I've known, who hear the voice of God, like few people I know, Mark Coppersmith, who's one of the pastors on the teaching staff, is going to, hey, did Josh Hamblin do an amazing job last week teaching? That was his debut as one of the teachers in the house, and he did a great job. But let's welcome Mark Coppersmith as he brings a message on faith today. I have never considered myself a person of great faith. But what's interesting about John's introduction is he, um, he equated having faith with hearing God. And I've always struggled with having faith. Um, I'm a, I was a lawyer for 13 years, as many of you know. And we are steeped and marinated in cynicism and unbelief. Your client is almost always lying. So I had this natural difficulty in believing things without evidence. You with me? And I would say to people, no, I I don't have a lot of faith. I have a lot of obedience. I'm willing to take a lot of risks. So I always spelt faith R-I-S-K. And and that's true. There's an aspect of that that's absolutely true. But I'm going through something in my life personally now that's, and I'm 67, soon to be 68 years old, I'm going through something that's radically changing me. Uh, And and I'm not exaggerating about that. My wife said the other day, uh, it's amazing what I'm seeing. And I said, what are you seeing? And she said, I'm seeing you turning into an optimist. I've always thought that optimists were seriously deranged people that could not be trusted because they did not have a real grip on reality. Now I'm becoming one of those strange people that sees the good, not the bad. It is working. And and, and, believe me, I'm not comfortable with it. But but God's doing something in me. And so I got excited about speaking on faith because this is coming from a personal perspective experience. So before we get to the story of that personal experience, I want to dissect a verse because this is the verse on defining where faith comes from and how faith works. And if we take it apart piece by piece, what we're going to come to is a better understanding of how you can grow in your faith and whose job it is to have faith and how faith comes and how it works. So you've all heard this before. It's a a very, very well-known verse. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. And hearing the message, the phrase hearing the message, it literally translates from the Greek to perceive sound. It's as clear, this idea of of hearing the message is as clear as someone talking to you. It refers actually to the physical sense of hearing, sound waves perceived by the ear. 
So faith comes when we hear something just like hearing a voice. This is the first hint. Faith is not something we produce. Faith is not something we make up. It's not whistling in the dark. It's not, oh, I wish something were, you know, I wish I could believe this or that. I think I'll try to talk myself into believing this or that. That's not what it is. That's not faith. You might call that positive thinking. You might call it, you know, creative use of the imagination. Call it whatever you want. It's not faith. Faith comes when something actually happens to you. And it is as clear and as discernible and as helpful as hearing an actual sound. We don't create it. Faith is the result of an experience of hearing. And what we hear comes to us somewhat like sound. It's either in words or it's some other sound that has a specific meaning like, say, um, uh, the siren of an ambulance. So we should expect something discernible and understandable coming to us. And it creates faith. And this faith comes from the word of Christ. Two conclusions we can reach immediately from this passage. The first is this. If it's coming from the word of Christ, from Jesus, from God, it has a personal source. You with me? It's not the secrets of the universe. It's not some obscure New Age doctrine or something. It's coming from a person. It's, that, that's why it's like speech, you see. It's personal. It's just like someone talking to you. It's personal. It's coming from God, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. And this is also telling us that real faith can't pre- be produced from any other source but God. And the second thing this phrase tells us is that faith comes from the Word, the Word of God. Now, this word, word, is the Word. This word used right here is the key to understanding this passage. If we don't get what this is, the rest of it won't make sense. The Greek word used here for word that we translate as word is rhema, and you've all heard this before, R-H-E-M-A. It comes from the root word that means to say or to speak. You see, you've got this sense again. It's personal. It's like a sound coming to us. It's discernible. It's clear. It translates as follows. That which has been uttered by the living voice. An utterance. It also means any sound produced by the voice. Do you see how real it's suggesting this is? Not imaginary. It's like actually hearing someone talking to you. It means any sound produced by the voice having a definite meaning. When God speaks to you, it's not going to be difficult to understand what he's saying. Yes, we we have dreams. Yes, we have things that come to us that are unusual and have to be figured out. But a lot of the time, when God chooses to speak to you, it's like he's speaking to you. Get it? And this verse is telling us that we should expect this word from God to come in words most of the time. It's like any spoken message. It's discernible. Do you find comfort in that? You know, we, I, like people saying, I don't know what God wants for me and, and, and I'm not sure what he's trying to tell me. Well, then that just means you haven't heard him yet. You're still guessing. 
Because when he begins to speak to you, you will know it's him. Now, I, 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 I get that you're thinking, no, that, that hasn't been my experience, or no, it's still really difficult. Just give me a few minutes to explain how this works, and you're going to see that not only can you have this experience, for most of us we've already had this experience, all we're dealing with is having it more often. How should we expect to hear these faith producing messages come? Okay, let's just do a quick open book quiz. How should we expect these faith producing messages, spoken words from God to come? How do they often come to us? What's been your experience? A thought? When someone else speaks to you and you realize God's speaking through them? Reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is probably, for most of us, the number one source of hearing words which we take as from God directly into our life circumstance and it produces a faith to believe the message in a way that goes beyond intellectual assent. It goes right down to confidence. How does this work? Well, first of all, number one, we hear these faith-producing messages through the Holy Spirit as we read the Bible. Now, you've got to get this right. This doesn't happen just because you read the Bible. You see, when we read the Bible without the work of the Holy Spirit, what happens is we read intellectual concepts and precepts. We organize them in our mind into something we call theology, and then our mind chooses to believe them. But it's only the mind that's believing them at that point. For it to be something from God that produces faith, it has to be spoken by God. It's not just words in a book. Are you with me? So what the Holy Spirit does is we read the Bible, and you've had this experience. How many times have we had this experience? You're just, you know, you're reading the Bible and whatever, you're somewhere in the Psalms and whatever, and it's kind of interesting, but you know what happened 5,000, 3,000 years ago, and well, you know, it's other people's lives, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're just kind of, oh yeah, you know, this, is, this, this would make a good message. I could teach a really good message on this verse. You see, you're intellectualizing the Bible. And all of a sudden, as you're doing, and there's nothing wrong with that, we've got to intellectually understand things. God gave us a brain, we're supposed to use it. So I'm not dissing theology and I'm not dissing understanding the Bible intellectually. But what I am saying is that intellectual understanding alone is not going to produce faith. But what what the Holy Spirit does as you're reading the Word is there will be a phrase or a sentence. Sometimes it's just one word. And all of a sudden, He takes it and He, in effect, sort of breathes life into it. And you know the feeling. It pops off the page at you and you go, whoa. You, you pause, you stop, it, it's arresting. You go, and it hits you, see? It doesn't just hit you here, it hits you here. And you sense, this is for me right now. This is fitting the circumstances of my life right now. God's trying to tell me something. And it comes with such spiritual authority, because this work is the Holy Spirit, breathing life into the Word. It comes with such spiritual authority that it just hits you and you find yourself, I believe this. Where did that belief come from? This is God. God's trying to tell me something. Now, how many of you have ever had that experience? 
See, a lot of people have had that experience. In fact, we're supposed to have that experience. It's what God intended to do when we read the Bible. It's like the Bible speaking directly to you in your present circumstances. It's like you're hearing the verse or phrase for the first time. It has great impact. You believe it. It produces faith to believe what it is saying to you. Now, how do we increase these experiences? Come on, guys. This is like pure little one-step of logic. Read more of the Bible. Spend more time. Take some time and say, I'm not going to read the Bible to prepare a message for my Sunday school class. I'm going to read the Bible to hear from God. To end up believing more of His truth and His goodness and His love for me. See, and even, you know, it might be smart when you go to read the Bible to say, Holy Spirit, would you please speak to me through the Word today? Would you give me something useful for my day that I can take from this moment? And it will breathe life into me, faith into me, greater trust in you. Would you do that, Lord? So it's not an exercise, it's an encounter. Hello? We're not having thoughts about God, we're having thoughts with God. That's the first and the most common. And I'm, I'm suggesting to you it should be a practice. We should should just simply say, I'm going to spend some time every day, even 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just reading in the Word and saying, Lord, make it real to me. Speak something that changes me, gives me faith. Number two, and this is a little bit different. Through the voice of the Holy Spirit as He uses the Bible to bring the message. Now, that sounds like I'm just repeating the first one, but I'm not. See, in the first one, you're reading the Bible and He lifts something off the page for you. But in this case, you're not reading the Bible. It doesn't start with reading the Bible. It just starts with listening to the Holy Spirit. And it works this way. Often for me, it works like this. I'm pouring my heart out to to God because there's some circumstance in my life that's troubling me and I really need to hear from it. So I'm saying, God, you know, what about this or what about that? What am I going to do about this? And I'm living in fear right now and I'm not sleeping well. My blood pressure's going. I'm just describing me, by the way. No, I'm serious. I'm going to tell you the story in in a few minutes. And and I'm a mess. I, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Now, at that point... I could go, and I have done this, I could go to my Bible search program on my computer and I could type in how I'm feeling. I could type in fear, sickness, depression, uncertainty, hopefulness, faith. I could do that, but let's say I didn't. I'm just pouring my heart out to God, which we do in the car, you know, we, we, we do it at night, in the middle of the night when we wake, wake up. We're pouring our heart out to God a lot. And suddenly, out of the blue, a scripture address pops in your head. Jeremiah 17. Where'd that come from? I don't know that verse. I haven't memorized that. That's not one of my life verses. And then you look it up. And bam, that same thing we just talked about hits you. It comes alive. It's speaking right into my life circumstances. It's answering the question that I've been pondering and trying to figure out. 
and you experience what I've just described. It speaks to you from God and it produces faith. Let me tell you, I want to tell you a story about uh, one of these times that made a huge difference for my life. Some years ago, my father was suffering from vascular dementia and uh, it had addled his mind to the point where he was paranoid. He believed his partners in business were stealing from. He had a number of businesses that were on the go. And he believed his partners were stealing from him. And uh, every day, uh, because I'd been a lawyer, I understood a lot of things. He, he was a lot of things about his business. And, and uh, he would confide in me. And every day he would phone me and tell me which partner we should sue. And then he would say, go down to our lawyers and talk to them and start an action against so-and-so. And I would spend an hour to an hour and a half daily getting on the phone saying, Father, this isn't a good thing to do. And, you know, uh, you're not quite remembering this and this and this. And, and uh, he didn't really do this and this and this. And I would, I would talk him. I'd spend over an hour talking him out of suing his partner. And then I would put down the phone and say, Boy, I'm sure glad that's over. Ten minutes later, go down to the lawyers and sue so-and-so. I say, but we just talked about this. No, we didn't. Don't tell me what I just talked about. No, we didn't. <sighs> Prove it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make notes from now on of all of our phone conversations, and I will send them in a Word document to you. My computer's not working. I'll send it down the street to, to my sister, and she will photocopy it and print it, and she will take it up to you. I had to do that for four years. Every day. People, that's discouraging. So, I came by this fear. I acquired a genuine fear that I was going to put Shelley, my wife, through the same thing that my father put me through. And my fervent prayer to the Lord was, please, do not let me do this to her. Take me quickly. And I'm, no, I'm, guys, I'm praying for a quick death. I said, please, take me quickly. Give me, give me uh, my dream death. I'm going to explain it to you. No, my dream, I worked it out, people. I've worked it out. Yeah, yeah, my perfect day, okay. My, my perfect dream day. It's a Sunday. I come to church. I preach the best sermon of my life. You guys give all of your money in the offering. It's wonderful. And then I go home. And I watch the Super Bowl. Yes, before, before we watch the Super Bowl, I go to, I go to Fogo de Chao downtown and, and have the meat buffet. 15 cuts of meat, hand-rubbed spices, cooked over an open fire. It'll change your life, people. <laughs> that's why I'm going to die. Here's the, that's why you're going to die, because you eat that way. Okay, I'm a meataholic, all right? I happen to like meat. I, I come home from church. I have this amazing lunch, and I watch the Super Bowl, and my team wins. I make love to my wife. And I die of a cerebral hemorrhage that night. That's my dream death is a cerebral hemorrhage. A striking headache, 
need to go to bed, unconsciousness and death. So I'm praying to the Lord. And guys, I'm making a joke about it now, but it wasn't a joke then. I don't want to do to her what my father did to us. Not blaming him, that's just circumstance. God, please, please, could you just arrange some kind of a quick death for me? And in the middle of pouring out my heart, he interrupted my request with a scripture address. And it wasn't a scripture I was familiar with. It was Psalm 1610. And I turned to it, and this is what it said. Nor will I let your Holy One, nor will I let my Holy One see decay. Get it? You're not going to have a withering death. You're not going to decay and fade away like that. Ever since he said that, I've had faith that my death will not be a burden to shell. And that isn't an issue for me anymore. And all it took was that one scripture reference in the middle of me pouring out my heart to get this in my head. It's going to be okay. I've got this. That's how the Holy Spirit can use scripture just out of the blue. And have you ever had that experience where he's just given you an address and you looked it up? Hand, show of hands. Anyone had that experience before? Not as many as the first, but it's common. All right. Now let's get down to the really interesting one, okay? This is the one I'm most excited about in my life. Number three. Through the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking directly to your mind. But just out of the blue. It's revelation. It has that same amazing impact of my, oh God, you're speaking to me. You're, you're, you're communicating with me. You're telling me something. But in this type of speaking, the Holy Spirit does not use Scripture. He speaks His thought, His thoughts directly from His mind to ours. Bam! Just like that. He causes a thought from Him to appear as a thought in your mind. And frankly, it sounds like you thinking. I wish it would come with special effects. This is the voice of God. You know, Hollywood. But it doesn't. When this kind of thought pops into your head, it kind of sounds like you, but it's smarter than you, wiser than you, more loving than you, and flat out better than you. Now, you can be a real idiot and claim, boy, I'm really special. Look at the thoughts I'm having. Wow, I'm a lot like God. Or you can say, this is not one of my normal thoughts. This, doesn't, this isn't me. This is better than me. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. What's really helpful about this kind of communication is it can happen anywhere at any time. Now for me it usually happens in the morning when I have my quiet time because I'm in a posture of listening. I'm saying, what do you want to say to me today? In fact, I write in my journal, what do you want to say to me today? And then I just get still and wait. And whatever thought comes, I write it down. Is that saying that that's the voice of God? I don't know. I don't know yet. But I'll tell you what, when you do that for a number of weeks and you go back two months later and you read what's in your journal, believe me, you go, wow, that was really timely. Wow, I think that was the Lord. But here's the key. 
Even though it didn't come through the Bible as a Bible verse, or while you were reading the Bible, what he says is always consistent with what he says in his word. And that's how we test it to know if it was really him. Is this consistent with the things he has said in his word? If it's not, reject it. If it is, listen, there's a good chance you just heard the Lord. So that's the test we always apply. But here's the point. When he speaks this way, mind to mind, thought to thought, it has the same power to create faith as when he speaks through Scripture. Because it's him speaking. And for me, it's a lot more effective than going through the Bible hunting for a Scripture. I was talking with someone the other day, and uh, we were talking about our ability to believe. We were talking about our ability to believe the promises in the Bible and make them our own. And I had to admit to him, as he admitted to me, that I'm cynical. I have trouble stealing a promise from Abraham. Because every time I try to do that, this, this cynical thought, and it's a cynical thought, okay? I'm not saying this is good. I'm just saying the way I am. I reason. I think, well, this promise was made more than 3,000 years ago, say, to King David. He was a very important guy. I'm not. What gives me the right to take his promise and make it my own? This is my struggle. So it's really wonderful when God speaks to me directly with a promise, mind to mind, thought to thought. I don't have to question, you know, do I have any right to hear this? I'm hearing this. So here's the personal story. And I'm not going to go into details, but for the last six months, going on a year, I've been going through an extremely hard time with family problems up in Canada. And it has been full of fear and uncertainty about the future. About a month, maybe a month and a half ago, while I was having my quiet time, this thought came to me. Go back over your prayer journal for the last 18 months and write down everything I've said to you. I took that as the Lord and it's harmless. It's going to take me some time, but... It's worth the risk, right? Maybe it wasn't him, maybe it was, but I'm going to find out. So I spent the next three weeks going through my prayer journal from the last 18 months, rewriting down every single thing that he said to me. And I thought when I started, you know, there'll be, there'll be 10 or 12 things. It'll take me a couple of hours to do it. It was 58. And as of today, there's a lot more. What I've discovered is this. I'm having an ongoing conversation with God. And my faith for what He's promised me about my future is huge now. And it is now big enough to drive away the fear and the worry, which in my case is a lot. As long as I read regularly what He said to me. Not my quiet times since I wrote all those things down been real simple. I just go back and read right through the 58 things. And they keep on speaking to me. And my faith keeps going up. And it's at that point that Shelley said, I can't believe what I'm watching. My husband is becoming an optimist. Boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I've been a very fear-based Christian. But that's changing. And it's changing because I'm dwelling on, meditating on, the things that I've experienced him saying to me. 
So I thought I'd give you a couple of little samples. Just things taken from random. Just to show you kind of what they sound like. Here's the first one. Boy, he got me on this one. You're only looking at the negative. Look at the future possibilities with the eyes of faith. Trust me with your future. I've got it in my hands. You're not going to make a mistake. I'm guiding you. You just haven't seen it yet. That sound like the Bible? It does to me. Here's another one. You really nailed me with this one. You've been using your imagination to analyze all the things that could go wrong in your future. Stop doing that. Use your imagination to see all the things that I've promised you. Come on, people. That's not, hey, guys, that's not just for me, okay? There's a lot of people just like me sitting where, just like you. Seriously. Number three, persevere in faith. Not just in, see, I always, this has a context. I would always say to him, I don't have much faith, Lord, but I've got a high obedience quotient. So he's a little tired of hearing that from me. So he's a little corrective thing going on here when he said it. He said, persevere in faith, not just in obedience, but in continuing to choose to believe my promises to you. Don't lose your eternal perspective. This time of uncertainty will soon end. You're entering a new season of fruitfulness. Just trust me. People, does it sound like the Bible? Does it sound like something he would say? It is. Number four. Teaching you trust, patience, faithfulness, and perseverance. Make these your goals and continue to listen for my voice. I don't intend for you to ever live without hearing my voice. I will continue to speak. That right there is my favorite promise. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so weak in so many ways, I can't live without hearing his voice. I can't function without knowing he's that close to me and he cares and he's communicating to me. I've written in my prayer journal over and over again, hearing your thoughts is my life. And it is. And here's a really good one for all of us. Turn your fear into praise and use your praise as a weapon. When in doubt, praise. When in doubt, give thanks. When you don't know what else to do, just think about how good he is and give thanks and praise and use that as a weapon against the fear, the discouragement, and the lies of the enemy that are trying to rob you of the joy of knowing he's speaking to you. Sounds like the Bible, doesn't it? See, that's why I believe it's coming from him. And because, now listen, here's the, now catch the logic and the causation, okay? Because I believe it's coming from him, my faith is growing. Because my faith is growing, my trust is growing. Because my trust is growing, my experience of his peace is growing. 
and his peace is all I really need. When I have his peace, I'm fine no matter what the circumstances are because I've got his peace. Hello? Is this making sense? So here's my point. To grow in faith, we need to be hearing him. To hear him, we need to be listening. We need to make listening to him a habit. To do this, we need to create a protected time of stillness and listening. The more we practice listening for his voice, the better we get at hearing it. And here's here's the sad thing. Too many people start trying to hear his voice when they're in trouble. Hello? It's hard to do when you're up to your waist in alligators. If we learn to hear his voice habitually, when the alligators come, we'll be ready. Prep time. Listen, people, if you're not in trouble now, you will be soon. One of Jesus' promises we never put on our fridge is, in this life you will have trouble. No one claims that promise. I never heard anyone say, prophetically I want to say, I'm claiming this promise today. In my life I will have trouble. Yet it's a promise. He said it. It's real. You're going to have trouble. So smart is, get ready for the trouble before the trouble. Absorb and suck up all the word from the Lord you can for your faith because that's you're going to need it to get your peace when the trouble comes. So you start now with a quiet place, your Bible, a pen, and a journal. Quiet place, your Bible, a pen, and a journal. Pour out your heart to Him and ask Him what He wants to say to you and then wait. And write down whatever comes to your mind. Don't worry about whether it's Him or not. Wait a few weeks and go back and read what you think He might have said. Listen, you're going to be surprised. And your faith's going to grow, and your peace is going to grow, and your trust is going to grow. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm asking myself over and over again, I don't get Christianity where they don't believe God speaks to us today. I don't know how they do it. I don't know where their strength comes from. I'm not strong enough to live that way. I need Him. I need to know we have a relationship. We're conversant with each other. I need that. Thank God for him, the way he is. He, 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 he loves to talk to his kids. He loves to be conversant with his kids. So can we do a little experiment right now? Are you up for that? You don't have to. You never have to. But I'd love to try this just for, just for fun. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to suggest we get still here for a second. And uh, there's got to be some trouble in your life, isn't it? Scratch some up. You know, if you, can, if you don't have it, make something up. It's a test. It's like a little Petri dish. We're going to grow some trouble. And then we're going to pour some back. Then we're going to pour some antiseptic on it and see what happens. So we're going to get in touch with something we need to hear the Lord about. Maybe it's been some doubt, some fear, some insecurity, some, some source of shame, discouragement, problem at work, problem at home, relationships. doesn't matter what it is. We're going to get in touch with that. And then we're going to say, okay, Lord, 
mind to mind, thought to thought. What do you want to say to me about that? And we're just going to pay attention for a minute. See what scripture verse comes to mind. See what thought comes to us. See what emotion begins to stir inside. We're just going to see how conversant he's willing to be with us. Sound good? Go like this. Are you in? Okay, let's close our eyes. What do you what do you need to hear from God about? What's going on in your life that you need to hear from him about? Get in touch with it. Think about it, see it, feel it. Father, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, what do you want to say to me right now about that? Now just listen. See what comes. Don't make something up. Don't try. Just, just be still. Take note of the thought that comes. Father, what do you want to say to me about that situation? That emotion, that idea, that lie, that feeling. What do you want to say right now? Okay, what'd you get? If, if, you got, if something came to you, you're not saying it was the Lord, you're just saying something came to you. Uh, put up your hand. Okay, that's, that's great. Okay, anyone want to share what you heard? Yeah, what was it? Amen. Can you guys hear this? If not, we can use the microphone. You getting it? Anybody else? What did he say? Nice and loud, as loud as you can do. can't hear you, Josh, just nothing for a second. Could you say that last part again? And you said how? And he said
Okay, can I answer that question for you? Did you all hear the question? Her son's involved in gaming in a big way and it's, he's addicted to it and it's taking over his life. And he said to his sister the other day, uh, do you ever feel just empty inside? And she told her mother about that, about that conversation and, and she just asked the Lord, what should I do about this? And the Lord said, bring him to me. And then she said, how? But our little moment of listening ended before she got the answer to the word how. And I want to try to answer that for you. I see an image, okay? I see a scene, a little scene. And what you're doing in this scene spiritually is you're taking hold of your son's hand and you're walking him into the presence of Jesus. And you're presenting him to Jesus and you're saying, I don't know what to do about this. I, I don't know how to carry this. But he's yours. He was yours before he was mine. And long after he's mine, he will be yours. So I'm presenting him to you. Jesus, begin to speak to him. Begin to touch his heart. Reach out to him. Draw him to yourself. I can't carry him, but I'm bringing him to you. And you can reach out to him, and I'm praying that you do that. And anything you tell me to pray, I will pray. Any way you tell me to pray, I will pray. Guide me. But right now, I'm bringing him to you. Does that make any sense? Okay. What else, what else did, uh, what did he say? Loud. Yeah. Right on. That, you guys, is so funny because uh, about a month, a month ago, one of the things he told me about my problems, he said, cast them on me. He said, literally, cast them. And your image of doing that is really, really good. Of taking hold of those things from inside that are eating you up and just objectifying them out and looking at them and saying, they're yours. Take them. They're yours. Because I can't carry this. That's a really good image. What else did he say? Anybody else? Does that help? What else? Anybody else? Your son is with... Your son is with you because you love him. Ah. 
right on. That's like that image, that perfect image. There's a real theme developing here, isn't there? We have these people who we love so much and we're carrying this burden for them of their pain and their brokenness and it's too much for us to carry and it's crushing us. Because, see, we were never designed to be able to carry that much. So when we take it to the Lord and give it to Him and He takes it on Himself, two things happen. We're, we're, the, the burden is lifted off of us. We can now pray with more faith and boldness, not in desperation. See, at that point, we've given him to the Lord. So we're not praying with desperation. He's now God's problem. But now we can enter into prayer with confidence, praying whatever God tells us to pray, because God has taken the burden of this person on himself. The win-win. Okay, that was really cool. Thank you for... Yeah, please. Yeah. During worship, the Lord gave me this word, and it's, it just didn't seem appropriate at the time, but it's such a confirmation for this message. And um, he gave me Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is a two-edged sword. Divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow, thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that two-edged sword, we think of, it's easy to think of it as a, a sharp instrument, as a weapon, but it's also a sharp instrument of healing. That's right. Like a scalpel. Like a scalpel that cuts to the heart and brings healing. And we know how powerful the Word of God is. But he's given me such an amazing example of this, and I just felt like it would really lift faith to share it. If you remember a few months ago when the teams went out and were witnessing door-to-door -door and Rachel met an Iranian man, do you remember that story? And I've been meeting with him weekly, discipling him, trying to disciple him. Really a neat guy. First few weeks, it was actually, it was a debate. It just turned into a debate. There was no fruit, and I said, Lord, what do I do? And he says, just I don't, go in there, don't even talk about me this next meeting. Just start to get to know him. So I started getting to know him. And what I found out was amazing. So here he was in Iran. He was a very high government official. He was managing this big government project on the border of Russia. And he was actually running spies. He was, he was bringing in Russian spies, finding them, paying them and he was running a spy network for Iran. Interesting. And I, all of a sudden it, it hit me. This man is so... I mean, he doesn't believe anything anybody says, right? How can I come in and start talking to him and he's going to believe it? So then I found a place where I could get a Bible. In his, he, he can't read. He's blind. Hardly understands English. Very limited language. When I asked him what, you know, if he knew what it meant to repent, he said, yes, you have to repent the wall right? You repent it. <laughs> repent the wall. So I found a Bible in Farsi, 
a, a little Bible he could use in Farsi, and I gave it to him, and he's been listening to it. The Word of God is breaking those barriers down. He's open to hearing, and we can actually talk about the love of the Lord, and the Word of God's breaking it down, just as you talked Amen. about. Amen. That's totally cool. Well, look, let's, let's just close this way. This little exercise maybe stirred up some things. Family issues and fear issues. And, and you heard something from the Lord, but maybe you'd like some prayer about these things. Someone to pray with you. Just to take it another step further. So could the prayer teams come? Just come to the front now and we're going to end this way. So if you've got a need that God's highlighted or something you walked into this building with and, and, and it hasn't been addressed, but you've got a need you'd like to bring to the Lord, why don't you come now and, and we'll pray for you. And if you heard something from him and, and you want to take it a step further, you'd like some prayer for that, you come and we'll, we'll pray for you. And other than that, thank you for coming and um, go listen to the Lord. Get your pad, your Bible, your pencil, your quiet place, and let's practice hearing his, his thoughts, his voice. Okay? We're done. As we continue um, in prayer, if